Welcome, everyone. Those that are watching online, uh, we welcome you as well. In fact, I want us to give a shout out to Troy and Dina, and I'm going to goof up their last name, so help me out, everybody. Y'all would know it back there. Mahilu. Am I saying that right? That's close enough? Okay, good. Come on, let's give them a hand clap. They're watching from home today. It's great. Before I dismiss the children, a couple of great things going on. We have a, a good group of our teenagers, Legacy Youth. They are at Winterfest finishing up. They've been there this weekend. So pray for them as they come back. They're going to be fired up for God. So turn them loose, parents. Let them share what the Lord's doing in their lives, in their heart, and how he's speaking to them. Also, I wanted to give you an update on Pastor Chris Tomlinson and Jody Tomlinson, his wife. Uh, Both of them had those dramatic physical attacks on their body. Both of them suddenly had tumors, and uh, Jody had to have surgery and removed from her neck, not sure what all would happen. They were maybe telling her it was cancer and this, that, and the other. It was not. It was successful, and she is recovering. Come on, let's thank God for that. And then Pastor Chris, look, they're young. They're in the early 40s. He had this brain tumor just took over. He was having seizures, and it was not a good situation. The complications, the setbacks he was having, even communicating and thinking, and it was a major surgery. It was the size of a baseball. It was not cancerous. The doctors are saying it's a miracle. They're posting it on the... um, Oh, what's the name of the, the Mayo Clinic down in Florida where he had the surgery? They're, ca- they're calling it a miracle. Yes. He is gaining back everything he had lost. And the doctor said, we think you're going to go further in your capacity and remembrance and everything where you were set back. He is so on fire right now. I talked to him the other day, and I go, Chris, just speak slower. I can't comprehend it all. And so let's thank God for what yes. looked like a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. We talked about the miracles. So, I, you know, I've been prophesying over they're going to move in the miraculous, praying for people. And I said, look, we want our portion too because they're our family. So I wanted the children to hear that because we do serve a miracle working God. All right, we're going to allow the children now to go to class in the back with Pastor Ben, Miss Jody, and the team. And let's declare who we are as a church family as they're going out. You ready? Take your Bible, hold it up. Let's say it. This is my Bible. It is a standard I live my life by. I am a spirit-filled believer, sustained by my personal relationship with the Lord, empowered by my commitment to community, and expressed through outreach to others. Therefore, I can say, and... uh, Don't forget it, okay? Now turn your bulletins over, the notes on the back. If you're watching online, you can download the notes for today. We're on a two-month beginning of our theme for the year. And what are we talking about, folks? What have we been looking at? Everybody say it. Forward in faith. Last year, we went back to basics during, you know, the COVID explosion and just trying to figure out things and just reaffirming what we knew in our heart, going back to things that maybe we've allowed to slip or slide, and just get back to basics. Kind of, you know, take all this stuff of life and bring it down and just dial it back down to where it's real uh, workable and usable in our life on a daily basis. But now it's time to go forward in faith. 
So Pastor Chris Edwards and I, we've kind of been rotating on Sunday sharing, and his message last week was really good. You have, sometimes you've got to go backwards to go forwards, and we use the children of Israel as an illustration. So, so good with the definitions of those cities and what they had to face. So uh, if you've missed any of the messages, you can go back and watch them on our YouTube channel. We're also establishing a podcast, and we had that before, so you can even go and look at them on podcast and see the things that you uh, missed. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 30 in just a little bit, but let me start by saying the safest place for the Word of God is in your heart. Your heart. Not, not just your mind, thank God for our minds, but your heart, living from that understanding. Mary, the mother of Jesus, pondered. Remember that word? She would value what God said through the shepherds, through Simeon, different ones, and she pondered. She would hide it in her heart. Yet for people, even Christians, the level of anxiety we often live with reveals how often we subject ourselves to inferior things. Inferior things. Amen? And we ponder on that. The inferior will always raise our level of anxiety, and we live in an anxious world right now. Very anxious. And I'm wanting us to go forward in faith. Not presumption, not foolishness, but sure enough faith in what we hear. The enemy enemy works hard to introduce and distract us with his word once God's word has been spoken or revealed. He's got a word too, right? He's got one. So what do we have? A battle. It's a battle. Forward in faith. We're going to be developing a hearing ear. This is what I want to look at today. (laughs) I could have called it develop a hearing ear. But it's ongoing for the rest of your life. You're not complete in developing a hearing ear. And there are new things, you're different stages of life, and so you have to develop a hearing ear. And this is our scripture. Say it out loud with me. Go ahead. For as many... Sons of God, daughters of God, different translations. Some, it says those that are moved by the unctions of the Holy Ghost. Thank God. Not just up here in the head, but from your heart. And you know God is leading in different things. So I'm challenging us to grow our ability to hear, ponder, hear and ponder, and then take steps. Remember I talked about test of our faith for a couple of Sundays, the testing of your faith. So get this. Often, not always, but very often, the word of the Lord can actually attract conflict. It can attract conflict. It really can. And that's not a bad thing. Now, Mary's own experience in Luke 2, she took this word that God spoke to her by the shepherds about her son, and she treasured it in her heart. Luke 2, 17 through 19. Now, when they had seen him, the shepherds had seen him. They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
What are you pondering about? What word are you listening to? What, what is the foundation of your soul? What's grabbing your attention right now? If you're going to go forward in faith, you've got to have the word of God as a treasure right inside of you. Then Simeon came along and said the words, thoughts put into words of other people, they're going to try to pierce your soul. Luke 2, 25 through 35. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Is he upon you folks? Three of you. Okay. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Where did he hear that? How did he hear that? Yeah, I mean, in, in it, was it out loud? It could have been. Was it just in his heart? Was it something he read in Scripture? All that and maybe more. He would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. Let me put it this way. He was led by the Spirit. For as many as are by the Spirit, these are the sons and daughters of God. So he came or was led by the Spirit in the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, this was the, the dedication time and so forth, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, your word, because you said I would see the child. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you, you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, thank God that's you and I, right? And the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And we know all this stuff that took place and would take place even after the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection. And for a sign which will be spoken against, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Then Simeon said these words and spoke this. Let me give you another translation, just the last part. Jesus' parents were surprised at what Simeon had said. He blessed them and told Mary, this child of yours will cause many people in Israel to fall and others to stand. Cause the religious, those that just the head knowledge, the routine, robotic people, if I can use that word, they fail. And others who were just, they were desperate for God. Had nothing to do with their qualifications. Had nothing to do with their past. Aren't you glad God doesn't look at any of that? He just wants your heart, wants to come after you and change you. The child will be like a warning sign. Many people will reject him and you, Mary, will suffer as though you had been stabbed by a dagger. But all this will show what people are really thinking. Think about his mother and what she went through and the stuff that she had to see. So the word of the Lord, her agreeing to bear the child, brought conflict in her life. We don't like that as Americans. We want everything perfect. If it's not perfect, God's not for me. That is a lie from the pit of hell. In fact, when you say, I'm going to serve you, Jesus, really, you're inviting a conflict in. And that's okay. Because you're going to be able to see what you're made of and how God's going to mature you and grow you. And everyone says, 
Come on. Thank you, Lord. So God gave her a word, and then the enemy will come with his stuff, and he's going to try to pierce your soul. Why? There is always competition for what word we're going to believe. What do you think your attitude, your life, your joy, where are you right now? If you're sliding down a slope, you're believing a lie from the pit of hell. I mean, the Lord wants us just ready and able and hearing his word and going forth. So there's a competition. You're being put. What word will you believe? What is it that I'm going to give my life to? What is it that I'm going to give yield and give place to. So what are you giving place to? You see, just, just think about it. Matthew 13 is a great example of this battle. Now, we're going to get to 1 Samuel 30 in just a few moments, okay? It's the parable of the seed and the sower. We have different kinds of soil represented in that parable. Everybody kind of familiar with it? Okay. But two things I want you to consider today in regards to hearing and us developing a hearing ear. Number one, the birds of the air came to steal the seeds. What are the seeds? The Word of God. The Word of God. The The enemy always wants to steal whatever word, seed is word, that has been spoken over your life, what you're hearing from the Lord, what you're reading in the Word, what God is revealing to you in praise and worship, what you're getting in Christian community where something comes alive, he's after to steal that. He's wanting to rob you. I know we have the whole counsel of the whole Bible, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will breathe on something and just highlight certain things to you so that you can go forward in faith, right? The devil wants to steal the seed. You know why? The power, the power is in the seed. It's not in the soil. Now, the soil is very important, and we have to cultivate the right soil. But you don't just keep working on the soil and the soil and the soil and the soil. No, you've got to get the seed in there, and that's where the power is. And that's what the devil is wanting, the power from the seed. The soil is so necessary, but the power is in the seed. The power for the new manifestation of who Jesus is on the earth, and he's wanting to use you, he's wanting to use all of us, because the power is in the seed that we've given place to, and we've listened to, given life to, and we highlight and allow that to be a manifestation in the world where we live. The enemy works to steal the seed, and seed left in the open, unintended to, is very vulnerable. It's so vulnerable. Matthew 13. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, what is he sowing in in this parable in relation to us, the word? Some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds, those demonic birds. (laughs) Makes you think of that Hitchcock movie called The Birds or whatever. The birds came and devoured them. There's a conflict over what word you're going to give place to. And what you're going to listen to. Sometimes God speaks a word and we ignore it or think we can do it later. We could put it off. I'll take care of that down the road. I don't feel worthy enough. All the lies of the devil. 
and we don't put it in our heart, ponder it, and allow it to take root. Receiving the word deeply in our heart is what ensures that word will take root and have some impact all over. Amen? The second thing, look at this. The devil, if he can't steal the seed, he'll try to plant his seed next to God's seed. Then we have the distraction of weeds. Anybody ever deal with distractions? Come on. Man, they're all over the place. The distraction of weeds. Matthew 13 again. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. Are you sowing good seed in your life? The word in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And the outcome of the seeds in any plants is always contrary to the seeds of God and its purpose to destroy life from what God has said. Do you have life today? Is your spirit man full of life and joy and stamina and the word of God having full authority to direct or correct or guide or lead or be led? Or do we just hide it and hide? I want you to shine bright. Everybody say shine bright. So here's a quick question. God's word has how much power? Everybody say all power. The devil's word has how much authority? None except what I give it. The moment I consider or embrace or overly meditate on the enemy's seed, the enemy's doubt, confusion, worry, anxiety, fear, his word, his thought, his idea, in that moment, I'm lending it my authority. Wow, that's going on all over our world right now. So it only has impact in me, the word of God only has impact in me to the measure I make agreement with the word or make agreement with the tares. And the tares are all over the place and they're knocking at your door and they're hollering at you and trying to present themselves to us all the time. What word will we agree with? Because there's power in the seed of God's word. When we believe a lie, you have just now empowered the liar. Why is this so important, especially in the exciting day? Look, this is an exciting day and age. Come on. It's, it, it's a new year. It's a great time for the body of Christ all over to go forward in faith. The Lord is working on raising up a family, sons and daughters of God, come on, that know how, listen, know how to steward what he says. What do you listen to all day long? What voices do you listen to? Are you reading this or something that's contrary? Uh, God wants you to be able to steward what he says. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters. Okay, so the word of the Lord is all-powerful. God spoke the worlds into existence. Bam, all-powerful. The enemy's word is just a contrary idea that has no power except what I give it. Except what I give it. The Bible says that tribulation and persecution comes because of the word. Back to Matthew 13. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word, and he immediately receives it with joy. Yay! 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Walks out the door and got a flat tire and they curse and get mad at God. It's about like that. Come on. Yet he has no root. He hadn't pondered, hadn't kept the word, has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation, or what, arises because of the, the seed, the word, immediately he stumbles. Help us, Lord. Everybody say, I don't want to stumble. Every time you and I hear something that the Lord is declaring in our life, in our family, over our life, it could be something just from your daily devotions, something from the word for you today, something just uh, uh, someone sends you a text with a scripture that just is meant for you, and you see something that just takes on life. That's one way you hear. What has taken on life? Do you just read the word or do you allow the word to read you until something just boing, just comes alive? takes on life. God highlights it to you. You have that sense of personal identification with what you're seeing in God's word. There's purpose. There's identity. Maybe a sense of responsibility that you're to do. And he highlights it to you in such a precious way. And the enemy will always work to undermine that word so that it doesn't take root than in the good soil that you've prepared. The enemy loves you to question what God said. Or question yourself. Delay response. Delay being led. Well, if I know the outcome, then I'll take a step. How many have done work that way? Yeah. So what will you give your heart to this year? What seed will we give our heart to? And whenever I would start to speak doubt or confusion or meditate on that, I'm actually empowering the inferior the inferior seed, and it will be reflected in my attitude, my speech, my thoughts. I'll be lethargic. Come on, help me out, someone, instead of the joy of the Lord going forth with the purpose of God. Why does that happen? Why do we face the tribulation or persecution? It's because of the Word. It's not because of you. It's because of the Word, and the Lord wants to make us all strong. He is a loving father who loves to give reward. Somebody would like a good reward this year, okay? If there's no option for us, there can't be a reward. Now, I'm not talking about our salvation. That's a free gift, and everybody says, I'm talking about rewards. And when you go forward in faith with what you have heard that's come alive, and you overcome, and you're pondering on what God says in your heart, giving life to it, it will bear fruit in any tribulation or any persecution, wow, there will be a reward. There will be a reward. Waymaker. Waymaker. Even though I don't see it, he's working. Even though I don't feel it, he's a rewarder. God freely gives gifts, but rewards require our participation and our obedience to go forward in faith. Okay, everybody with me? All right. If you want to turn in your Bible, go to 1 Samuel 30. It's a story about David. This exemplifies one who could hear. I love this story. Absolutely love it. Not the bad things that happened, but how God came through. David has a bunch of guys with him. They were the rejects of society. I qualify. Anybody else qualify? Come on, everybody. 
They were the rejects. They eventually became what is called the mighty men of God, or David, mighty men of David. They became an incredible force on David's behalf and the purpose that he had. And this is way before David is king. He had been anointed king by Samuel when he was young, a declaration over, over his life, if you want to call it that. You will be king. But at this point, Saul is still king. And in this chapter, David has been rejected by Saul's household. He's been rejected by Israel. The people of God have rejected him. And he's now living amongst the Philistines. He and his men, that's where they're living and camping and have their families and carry on, carrying out wars on behalf of the Philistines, but actually he's fighting the same people that the Israelites would want to fight as well. He's taking them out at night, and they go war with enemies that are really the enemies of Israel. So David is living with the Philistines. Remember the giant he killed? Where was he from? The Philistines. He's living with them. Wow. Amazing. And he's going out to war and fight their enemies, but he's doing it on behalf of Israel. Then one day the Philistines were going to go out and literally now fight against Israel. Uh-oh, here's a real crossroads. And a Philistine's leader said, well, this isn't good. If David comes, wow, in the middle of a battle, he could really turn on us and fight them with Israel. So we don't want David to come. So David is rejected by Saul. He's rejected by the Israelites. And now he's rejected by the Philistines. It's pretty bad when the devil rejects you too, right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, everybody's against him. So David and his men have to go back to town where their families are. They're living in Ziglag. And as they're getting closer, they can see smoke. And the town's on fire. Here we go. <laughs> now, it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag. So here they came up from the southern hemisphere. They attacked the city and burned it with fire. They had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. So in other words, the whole city, everybody taken captive. They didn't kill anyone, thank God, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. Their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Now, at this point, were they all alive? You know, just think the thoughts going on, okay? Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Look, this is emotion. This is bad. Have you ever had bad news before? This is a tough time. I mean, your family, everything you've owned, destroyed, your family gone. And David's two wives, help me, Lord, Hannah Nam or whatever her name is. <laughs> Ladies, that, that you can name your next daughter that, okay? <laughs> the Jezreelitess and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, sounds like a drink from Starbucks or something, <laughs> had been taken captive. Now, okay, here you go. You're dealing with your grief. You're dealing with your own personal grief. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because of the soul of all the people who was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. Okay, 
Saul doesn't want me. The Israelites don't want me. The Philistines don't want me. Now all my men don't want me, and my family's all gone, and the whole city's burned burn down. This is not a really great day for him. It's a bad moment. But read the next part with me. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That is the hinge in the chapter. Everything changes from this point on. And it will for you, too, if that's what you do. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. That was the, that was the garment that they would wear to go into the presence of the Lord, okay? Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David, what? <coughs> Inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, the Lord, answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, recover all that last phrase, recover all. Say that, recover all. Wow, that's awesome. But you know what this implies? It implies David and the Lord, communication, friendship, relationship, dialogue. David heard something. David was able to hear something. Okay. The age we live right now, the time we're are you hearing anything? Now, I'm not talking about destruction and cursing, this, but no, what are you hearing about how you're to go forward? What are you hearing about you or your family? Hope, yes. Regardless, we all live in a world where there is conflict right now. Maybe some expectations that have been fulfilled over the last couple of years, and maybe there's been great disappointment. Some things lost. But with our family theme, forward in faith, say it with me, forward in faith, I believe the Lord wants to invite us to engage with him over a promise, over promises in his word that speak loudly to us. What are you hearing from the word of God? You know, I love the promises that say, well, just stand still. You don't have to do anything. See the salvation of the Lord. That's great. That's what you do when you watch a football game. You sit in your easy chair. You don't do a cotton-picking thing, but watch everybody else run all over the place. You know, armchair quarterback, right? And that's great when the Lord just says, stand, be still, whatever, and he does all the work. That's awesome. But there are other times where it doesn't happen that way. Here, David inquires of the Lord. Okay, I have a question. Thinking cap on for a moment, and the answer is there and is in the word. When did David inquire of the Lord? When, huh? When did he inquire of the Lord? Only after he had strengthened himself. Now, my tendency, here's the, here's the situation, here's the drama in my life or whatever. I've got I to gotta go to the Lord. got to talk to me. Talk, 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 talk. And... Really, it's like, okay, I need my celestial Santa Claus to just make this all happen for me. Come on. Don't shout me down. You've got to strengthen yourself in the Lord. If I perish, I perish, but I'm going to see the king. Yeah. Our God is able to deliver us, 
But if not, he knew how to strengthen himself in the Lord. This year, strengthen yourself, then inquire. Strengthen yourself, then inquire. That's how you go forward in faith. I know God brings us promises at our lowest point. I know it. But many times the greatest exploits we participate in come from a promise we received while we were strengthening ourselves. While we personally are taking time to strengthen ourselves. The Lord is a good steward. And he gives some of his grandest seeds, some of the greatest promise to those who have stewarded their hearts well and know how to steward their heart. And God imparts the promise after David has strengthened himself. Then he inquired and God said, you will recover all. I'm so glad the Lord rescues us. Folks, there's, there's no way to know how many times the Lord has saved you from disaster or harm or you're getting ready to do something that would have been devastating financially or this decision or whatever. And the Lord, how many have been rescued? Come on, let me see your hand. I'm so grateful for that. It teaches about his heart as a father, his compassion and kindness, his greatness. And all of those things are revealed in those moments. But he's also a father who wants sons and daughters to grow in their authority to manifest who he is in the world. Not just be rescued all the time, but grow. And that's, that's not always seen in rescue. It is seen when you use your God-given authority, okay, and in demonstration in what God has imparted to you and what you've placed in your heart, what you've pondered on, how you've strengthened yourself, what you've done in the between time between the need and the answer. I'm not sure what all David did, but I know one thing. If you read the Psalms, you're going to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just read some of the Psalms to you, okay? Psalm 40, 1 through 3. I waited patient for, patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He might have been doing this at this point. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. There came a stone from one of his men. Come on. Think about it. He might have been having to run from his men right then. He put a new song in my mouth. Not, well, it's me, misery, company, all that stuff. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. The Bible says, count it all joy when you go through different things. Many will see and hear the Lord and put their trust in him. Why? Because you put your trust in him. Your demonstration. Psalm 135, wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. Mm. Psalm 3, 2 through 6. Many are saying of me, God, uh, saying of me, God will not deliver him. Mm. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord. He answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. You know, that's one way you can tell that you're not giving way to the wrong seed if you can sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear through though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Maybe, maybe this is what's going on. Rejected 
by Saul, rejected by the Israelites, rejected by the Philistines, rejected by the men. Is my family alive or dead? I've just had everything burned in my life. Now, you might have had a bad day, but you hadn't had that, that bad of a day. Come on. That bad of a situation. And he strengthened himself in the Lord. Mm, here's my favorite. Sometimes it just takes some self-talk. Psalms 43, 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Come on, soul. Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Wow. Talk to yourself. Do it. Strengthen yourself. So what were some of the tools that he used? First, like I said, strengthen yourself and inquire. Use tools God has placed in your life to strengthen yourself. The first one I'm sure David used was worship. David was a worshiper. You know it. I found abandonment in worship. Listen, it changed me. I was a very insecure country boy from Louisiana, growing up in the middle of nowhere, um, low self-esteem, all the things that different ones, children go through, all that type of stuff. But I got saved, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I began discovering the difference between singing about the Lord and began singing to the Lord as a teenager out on the porch at my house in the rocking chair. And I would do that, especially on the weekends where all my friends would be out drinking or drugging and all that, which you don't need and everybody says. And just, okay, I'm going to let God do a work in my life. And he changed me. He sustained me. I I can take you to the spot just entering entering into his presence as a teenager, teenager, not even realizing what I was doing. It was so transformative. We come in one way, we leave another. And I would speculate David did exactly some of that, as I said, probably dodging stones or them cursing him or they're yelling at him. Why did you bring us out here? Come on. And worship is more than being mechanical. It's more than being silent and it's more than being loud. Okay, it has nothing to do with that. It's just a sacrifice of necessity where your whole being is just, Lord, I'm in tune with you, and I want to make you great. Worship is never really devil-focused. Come on. Let him destroy the powers of darkness. You just delight in him, that engagement I'm referring to. David got it. He's probably modeling it right here in front of his men. The mature will rejoice before they have breakthrough. Even though I don't feel it. Even though I don't see it. The mature will rejoice before they have the breakthrough. As I've said over and over again, you've got to get the victory before you have the victory. You've got to get it down in your spirit. Second thing, of course, the Word of God. Get into the Word. Go to passages. Go to scriptures that catapult you into forward motion. Go to the word that catapults you uh, to forward motion. Go back to those tokens of Scripture that have spoken to you before. At this point, you're not studying the word and looking at Hebrew and Greek meaning. You're not doing any of that, but rather praying and rejoicing with the author of the word. And I read those things that replenish my soul. 
I'm doing what I know to do to strengthen myself and bring every thought captive so I can respond responsibly. Amen? Listen, go to places where you have history with God. I have a question. Do you have any history with God in His Word? If you have history, you go back to it. And it becomes a sustaining force. So read Scripture until you... Listen, read Scripture until you hear, hear your own voice. That make sense? You become one in a relatable context. So you're not just reading something that happened. Suddenly, you see yourself in the story or the Scripture. And I believe when you find your voice... Find your voice. Something activates in you. And I believe that's what faith is all about. Now, faith is the of things, the evidence of mm. So suddenly, the word, your worship, it just becomes substance in your life. Did that happen to David there? I think it did in a relatable way. Did the Lord speak audibly or in his heart? I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't matter. But he heard. He heard. Okay? He heard something. And something takes on new life. You get restored in your confidence in what God has said over your life. There's a restoration of hope, of promise, of refined focus. You recognize the inferior things better that are trying to steal from your life. Something happens in your soul. You get it from that place of abandonment and you able to use what he's put in you. Now, this chapter is one that I personally use a lot. I like it. Do you have any history? Do you have anything that you go to? David strengthened himself in the Lord, and then he inquired. Well, you know, all these years now, I know pretty much how to strengthen myself. I'm not perfect at it. No one is. But I know what to do, and I can either make the choice to do it or not to do it. And everyone says, all of us, I know what it means to, you know, take some risk. You know, even radically obey at times. I know what that means. But a mistake I can make, and I think all of us can make, is I assume I know the will of God on how I'm supposed to pursue. And when I'm supposed to pursue. How quickly or whatever. That's the timing issue. The solution is I'm assuming, you know, I, I could be very biblical, but totally off wrong in the timing or the approach or something like that. Let me get this across from another uh, uh, example in Scripture. Paul responds to the Great Commission. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. So he wants to go to Asia. And then he has a dream from God. No, go to Macedonia. Okay, so that was the place he was to go. The point, sometimes I know too much for the potential will of God that it drowns out my sensitivity to the particular word of the Lord. So in this year, forward in faith, developing a hearing ear, David strengthened himself in the Lord, then he inquired from the Lord. 2022, let's develop a sensitivity to the particular word of God that applies to our life. 
Okay, awesome, awesome. And in this moment, David, instead of assuming he was to re- look, you would think he would just, let's go get him, boys, right? Yeah. No, he strengthened himself, and then he re- inquired, should I? And if I do, will I recover them? And God says, go get them, boys. Go get them. You'll recover it all. What a great promise for David. And you know what? I want to borrow that promise for each one of us. I want to borrow that for us. I believe God is looking for people, for families, churches, cities that will stand confidently in the middle of a very unusual season. It's exciting. And lean in. Lean in. And be led. Father, do we pursue? If we do, will we recover all? God told David, pursue. You're going to do it. And they did for the glory of God. You know, Job recovered double after he obeyed and he prayed for his critics. Ooh. Think about it. Double. Twofold. The amazing thing about that restoration of the Lord, he restores better than what was before. I'm told that when a bone is broken and it heals, that arm or that leg or that spot is stronger than it was before. God wrote it into the natural so we would uh, know it. he's the creator and how he made that to heal. And Father restores, and he wants to restore greater to the places where we're placing good seed. Good seed. It's a beauty, really, of deep repentance. Oh, my goodness. Just deep repentance before the Lord. Even every day, Lord, just reveal my heart, anything you're wanting to change. The person is room making the biggest mess of their life, and God forgives and heals and restores that place of greatest weakness, and it becomes strength. That's what I'm believing for for each of you and your loved ones. I've used my brother's testimony before, but I feel I'm supposed to share it again. But my younger brother, um, he was 18 years old when my father died. I was mid-20s. Jeanette and I had just been married a short time, and it was unexpected, and bam. His friends, to console him, took him out to go drinking, which he had never drank once before in his life. One beer, he was an instant alcoholic church. That's the danger of when we bring substance abuse of anything in our life. Maybe others can handle it, but it's not for everyone. And so I just always choose not to do anything that would cause someone else to stumble. I think that's what godly people would do to, to be a good example. Instant alcoholic for 10 years, 10 years of his life. He didn't even remember 10 years of his life. We pray for him every day, didn't know if he'd crash or kill someone on the road or what would take place until my mom and then my mom remarried a great man who was a widower. He he was my Sunday school teacher and football coach. And we devised a plan with an attorney and had him kidnapped. Well, that would make him mad. It sure did make him mad, but we were concerned for his life and sent to a place to dry out and regroup and get his act together. And he came back. He was grateful. He was mad at us for a long time, but he was grateful. And he had some ups and downs. But when he got it straight and he got established in the Lord, I'm talking about he became so strong in that area, so strong. And now what he does with his time, he finds others 
that have struggled in that and gets them in these groups and gets them in the church and getting them saved and getting them in accountability groups and getting them off of whatever abusive substance they're on and helping them get strong. And look, my brother, if you met him, you can't understand him. He's so Cajun when he talks. You know, we're from Louisiana. My accent isn't too bad. His is bad. And he is still rough around the edges. He's rough but loves God and will do anything for anyone. And when my mom died a couple of years ago, you know, we're trying to quickly plan the funeral and all this type of stuff. He says, Mark, I'm going to invite all the friends I'm reaching out. I'm having them now in church and, you know, accountability groups. Invite them all. I said, please. Different ones I've led to the Lord. Come on, God makes you strong in the area where you were being destroyed. I said, invite them all. And so then after the funeral, we're all at the house. So, you know, my parents, they ministered to all kind of people, some of the very elite. So here's senators and other people like that in the house. And here are the ones that are just off of drugs, just off of alcohol, driving up on their Harleys. I mean, you know, they just you talk about yin and yang. And it was wonderful. I said, it's, that's, what, that's what the body of Christ should be. Come on. And what was a weakness in his life has become so strong. And he's taking me around. People that were delivered from homosexuality, lesbianism. He said, I said, David, this is awesome. Look what you're doing. Look what you allow God to change in your life. And and become strength. I I wish I had a picture of that whole group all together. You would laugh hysterically. It was so much fun. So much for what I love is all the other people that were more uppity up. They loved it. They absolutely loved it and embracing that. That's the body of Christ. That's the body of Christ. His life is now strength illustrated through reaching others in need. We're going to pray. Stand up. Look, this type of message, you don't have the opportunity to sit by and watch. This is an invitation to co-labor, okay? So it requires your yes. This requires the strengthening yourself in the Lord, and then the question, shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? Am I going to recover? So I, I just want to invite you to that type of agreement with the Father. How many of you can think of at least maybe one thing you'd like to see recovered from the last couple of years with the strategy of the Lord? Let me see your hand. Okay, do something radical. Get on down here. Everyone put your hand up. Don't wait for someone else. Come on down. Just come on down. Okay, only one-tenth of you are coming down. Come on down. Okay. I invite you to step up to the plate and ask, what shall I pursue? Wait, 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 wait Lord. I'm going to strengthen myself first. I'm going to strengthen myself. I'm not going to be a statistic. I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep sowing good seed. I'm not going to allow the devil to rob. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. God is for you. God is for you. He's for you. Yeah. It's time to strengthen ourselves and inquire, obey, and recover. Anybody else? Come on. We're not pointing you out. I mean, I'm, I'm down there with you, really. Things that I want to see recovered even more in this year. Developing a hearing ear. Fostering an attitude where, in a posture, I am going to hear. And then I can go forward in faith. 
strengthening myself, inquiring, hearing, and motion forward in Jesus' name. Like a believer, maybe just come stand behind these. Just come stand behind someone. Come on, everybody, family. Come on down. Let's help each other. Yeah, come on down. <laughs> come on down all the way to the front. Yeah. Come on. This is family time. Just family time. Yeah. We love you so much. So much. Yeah. God is so good. So good. Father, I pray for my family. Love them so much. Lord, they're wanting a hearing ear. Father, may we remind ourselves of David and how he developed that. Wow. We're going to make it our highest priority to begin to strengthen ourselves, strengthening ourselves, worshiping you, calling out to you, speaking to ourselves. Why are you downcast? Shake it off. Shake it off. Put your hope in God. Father, I thank you. Whatever the enemy's tried to steal or is in the process of doing, we're going to see it recovered in Jesus' name. And the purpose of God, the joy of the Lord, the strength of God, everything come forth. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for everyone here. Thank you for the whole family, those watching online. If you're watching online, just put your hand on yourself. Pray for yourself. Father, I thank you, Lord. We're going to make it a high priority as we go forward in faith. It's not New Year's resolutions. It's not things we're coming up with in our mind. It's things you're speaking in our heart, in our spirit. So, Father, we pray for one another. We're grateful for it. We thank you for it. You're so, so good. So, so good. Everyone out in the audience, come on, just lift your hands. Just begin to worship him. Love him. Exalt Him. Tell Him how good He is, how wonderful.